Hello, friends. Today is September 22nd, and welcome to the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. We are on day 265 of our reading through the Bible, which means that we have only 100 days left. My name is David McAdam, and I hope that our reading the Bible with you, or in your hearing, has a positive impact on your life. Today's readings take us to some of the highest heights of both the Old and New Testaments. Isaiah, the Apostle Paul, and the Psalmist extol the glories of Christ and what God has accomplished in Him for those who believe. We are crossing the threshold into a new section of the book of Isaiah today to what is sometimes referred to as the New Testament portion of this Old Testament book of Isaiah. It anticipates the grace of God being manifested with new covenant promises that have been secured on behalf of believers by the Messiah. We are also heading for the heights of the book of Ephesians, sometimes referred to as the Mount Everest of the New Testament, as it depicts the reality of believers seated above in heavenly places in Christ. So get ready to do some climbing to higher elevations today. But first we must start in the low valley of the shadow prior to the southern kingdom of Judah being taken away into 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Hezekiah unwisely shows the son of the king of Babylon and his entourage the treasures of his storehouses and armory. Isaiah informs King Hezekiah that all these men have seen of his treasures will be carried off to the palace of the king of Babylon. After this, we have prophecies of comfort and hope through the news of a future deliverance anticipating the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, which will come some 700 years later. So let's get started. Isaiah chapter 39 beginning with verse 1. Envoys from Babylon At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. And Hezekiah welcomed them gladly, and he showed them his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his whole armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? And from where did they come to you? Hezekiah said, They have come to me from a far country, from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought, There will be peace and security in my days. Chapter 40 Comfort for God's People Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. 
for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry, and I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness." To whom then will you liken God, and what likeness compare with him? An idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that it will not rot. He seeks out a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing, and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth, when he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom, then, will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Chapter 41 Fear Not for I am with you. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the people renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. Who stirred up one from the east, whom victory meets at every step? 
He gives up nations before him, so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely, by paths his feet have not trod. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, Be strong. The craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, It is good, and they strengthen it with nails, so that it cannot be moved. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from the farthest corners, saying to you, You are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I make of you a threshing sledge, new, sharp, and having teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and crush them, and you shall make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the tempest shall scatter them. And you shall rejoice in the Lord, in the Holy One of Israel you shall glory. And this is the end of our reading from today's Old Testament passage from the prophet Isaiah. So let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. The news of Hezekiah's illness and recovery spread quickly. In chapter 39, envoys from Maradoc Baladan, the son of Baladan, the king of Babylon, bring letters and a gift. Hezekiah foolishly lets his guard down and shows them all the treasures of his house and his realm. His naive transparency gives the Babylonians all the information they will need for spoiling the Judeans when they come to conquer Jerusalem. Hezekiah's foolishness leads to a great security breach. This is a reminder to us all that we are in a spiritual battle and must remain vigilant. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 Isaiah reprimands King Hezekiah. He has been deceived through flattery and feigned kindness to show off the glories of his kingdom. Isaiah prophesies the consequence. His treasures would be carried off to Babylon. His own descendants would be taken captive and made eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Chapter 39, verses 5-7 through 7. Hezekiah accepts Isaiah's rebuke. His response is ambiguous. Is it sincere repentance? Or does this disclose the depth of his self-absorption? Is he expressing humble acceptance or expressing his relief and satisfaction that his personal comfort and remaining period of watch over Judah will be spared this horrific judgment? Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he thought, For there will be peace and truth in my days. 
Isaiah chapter 39, verse 8. Chapter 40 introduces a new section of the prophecy of Isaiah. The first section, chapters 1 through 35, contained prophecies concerning the divided kingdom of Judah and Israel and the surrounding nations. This was followed by the historical section focused on the impact of the Assyrian and Babylonian threats upon Hezekiah and the kingdom of Judah, chapters 36 through 39. The next section is clearly Christocentric, chapters 40 through 66. It is sometimes called the Book of Consolation and can be divided into two subsections. The more looming concern and more immediate and local focus of the first section of prophecies is the Babylonian exile in chapters 40 through 55. The focus of the final section of prophecies and more immediate and local application is the return to Israel with the kingdom of God and new heavens and new earth in view, chapters 56 through 66. Chapter 40 starts with a dramatic turn, a call to bring comfort to God's people with good news. Truly, our God is a God of all comfort, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. The word comfort means more than to provide sympathy. Its original meaning is to fortify and encourage. Jesus is a comforter, and the Holy Spirit is another comforter, in John chapter 14, verse 16. Speak tenderly means speak to the heart. The New Testament begins with John the Baptist as a voice crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord. The Gospel writer Matthew declares that John the Baptist is referring to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 3. The good news is announced to God's people that her warfare is ended. A full and lasting peace will be accomplished. The warfare between a holy God and sinful humanity is ended in the cross of Christ. Iniquities are pardoned in Christ, and a receipt in hand shall be given. The resurrection of Christ proves our sin debts have been paid in full. An invoice stating the amount owed is folded over and doubled as a receipt when paid in full. It is officially stamped, paid in full. Jesus cried, paid in full, or tetelestai in Greek, when he died on the cross, to provide full atonement for our sins. It is finished. John chapter 19, verse 30. The Messiah is coming. The good news of God's deliverance in Christ needs to be announced, believed, and rested in. There is no peace for the wicked, those who will not believe. But there is comfort and joy for those who do. In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 22, chapter 57, verse 21, chapter 41, verse 16, chapter 51, verse 3, and verse 11, and Luke chapter 2, verse 10. What is the message to be cried out? First, the bad news. All have sinned, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. All flesh is as grass, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. The flesh profits nothing, the Gospel of John chapter 6, verse 63. There is only one hope for humanity, the new birth through faith in the unfailing word of God. Jesus is the fulfillment of this hope. Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. In verse 9. 
Jesus, in effect, fulfills this prophecy. He who has seen me has seen the Father. In John 14, verse 9, I and my Father are one. John chapter 10, verse 30, Behold your God. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John chapter 10, verse 11. The greatness of God as creator and his supremacy over all is extolled in verses 12 through 31. In verses 18 and 25, Isaiah asks the rhetorical question, To whom will you liken God? He is incomparable. He sits above the circle of the earth. The prophet wasn't a flat earther. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22. To him the nations are a drop in the bucket. Chapter 40, verse 15. And the rulers of the earth are emptiness. Chapter 40, verse 23. Both his omnipotence and tender mercy is described in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength, that is, renew or exchange their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. This is the gospel. Christ died for us and as us, to live in us and for us. By trusting in his provision through the cross, we can accept our co-crucifixion, co-burial, co-resurrection, and co-ascension in him. He gives us his Holy Spirit, a new life, his life. Through the cross, we have an exchanged life. Christ is our life in Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 and Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 and Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 we read, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In Isaiah chapter 41, the Lord continues to contrast his strength with man's weakness. He gives his people the assurance that he is going before them and is working on their behalf. He tells his people to keep silence and to listen to him. In chapter 41, verse 1, the enemy that is approaching from the east, in verses 2 and 3, although powerful, is under God's governing control. The people of Judah need not fear. In Isaiah 41, verse 10, who has performed and accomplished it, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first and with the last. I am he. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 4. This divine title of the first and the last appears eight times in the Bible and will apply to God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son in Isaiah chapter 41 verse 4, 44 verse 6, and 48 verse 12, Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, chapter 1 verse 17, chapter 2 verse 8, chapter 21 verse 16, and chapter 22 verse 13. This section in Isaiah 41 verses 8 through 20 has to do with Israel. In verse 8, Israel is called my servant. Later, this title will be applied to the Messiah. Fear is faith in reverse. If his people will trust in him, they need not fear. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In verse 10, he repeats the promise again in verse 13. For I am the Lord your God, who upholds your right hand, who says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Isaiah 41, verse 13. In the New Testament, James will reference verse 8 when he writes about Abraham. We know that we have a friend in Jesus, but what a wonderful thing it is for God to call Abraham his friend. Israel will be used as God's instrument to proclaim the gospel message to the nations, a message that will have teeth in it. Behold, I have made you a new sharp threshing sledge 
with double edges. You will thresh the mountains and pulverize them, and will make the hills like chaff. Isaiah 41, verse 15. Every mountain would be made low, and Isaiah 40, verse 4, as people are put on the even ground of repentance at the foot of the cross. Now let's go to today's reading in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 23. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And this concludes our reading of today's passage from the New Testament and the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The book of Ephesians has been called the Mount Everest of the New Testament as it takes us to the highest heights where we see how God positions the believer far above principalities and powers in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. If you, as a gospel believer, have any questions as to your true identity, where you are positioned in the mind and affections of God the Father, and who you are in the mind and affections of the Son, you will find the answers in the book of Ephesians. 
It is a wonderful book that teaches us who we are in Christ, where we are going, and how we are to live along the way. Chapters 1 through 3 have to do with our position of rest in the perfect work of Jesus Christ, seated above in the heavenly places. It is a call to sit. We put our faith in what God says about our identity and position in Christ. Chapters 4 through 5 have to do with the outliving of the indwelling Christ, with clear directives of how we are to live our lives in the Spirit. It is a call to walk. We exercise faith as we live lives that are pleasing to Christ. Chapter 6 reminds us that we are in a spiritual battle, but we have been given spiritual resources as the body of Christ to be victorious as we identify with the victory of Christ. It is a call to stand. In chapter 1, we recognize that Christians are addressed as saints and faithful in Christ Jesus. In verse 1, Paul starts with his praise. He gives glory to the triune God for who he is and what he has done for us. Verses 3 through 6 contain his praise given to the glory and grace of the Father. For he has blessed us in Christ, chosen us in Christ, to be holy, predestined us to be adopted, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In verse 6, verses 7 through 12 contain his praise given to the glory and grace of the Son. In him we have redemption, forgiveness, wisdom, and understanding, and an inheritance in his kingdom, in which he is the sum of all things, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In verse 12, verses 13 through 14 express his praise given to the glory of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit plays an indispensable role in our conversion, by activating the proclamation, hearing, receiving, and the believing of the gospel truth in our hearts. He seals us in a vital union with the Father and the Son. He blesses us with His indwelling presence as a down payment of God's pledge to give us our full inheritance in Christ. He marks us as belonging exclusively to Him to the praise of His glory. Verses 15 through 23 contain His prayer. Yet this prayer morphs into a rich deposit of revelatory teaching given to the church that will continue through the remaining chapters. He gives thanks for their faith and miraculous love. It is through their faith in Christ that they have love for God and for all their brothers and sisters in His church. Paul's prayer is that they may know God better, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He prays that they will know the hope to which God has called them. You may know what you have been saved from, But do you know what you have been saved to? In verse 18, he prays that they may know how he sees the church. The church contains the riches of Christ's inheritance. It is something he treasures. In verse 18, he prays that we might know the exceeding greatness of his resurrection power by which our salvation has been and is being accomplished. By virtue of Christ's resurrection and ascension, God has made him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. How can we know God better and perceive the truth of all these wonderful things, such as the reality of the church is the body of Christ? Paul explains in verses 17 and 18 that it is by the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ that we will have the eyes of our heart's understanding enlightened, to perceive the truth about who God is, who we are, and what we are called to do in Him. 
Now let's go to today's reading from the book of Psalms, and we are reading Psalm 66, verses 1 through 20. Psalm 66. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Give to Him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in His deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in Him who rules by His might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of His praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals, with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell what He has done for my soul. I cried to Him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. This is another psalm of praise. It has two parts. The first part has to do with their national story in verses 1 through 12, where they celebrate their divine deliverance from trouble. They realize that the trouble itself was the divine method of chastisement to bring them to a place of abundance in verse 12. The second section has to do with the psalmist's personal story. In his days of distress, he made his vows to the Lord. Now in the days of prosperity, he recalls them and resolves to go to the house of the Lord with the sacrifices of burnt offerings required. Voluntary vows like this are not necessary, but if they are made, we should not try to escape them unless they are considered foolish. In verses 1 through 4, the psalmist calls us to come and sing, shout, and speak praise to God for his awesome deeds. In verses 5 through 7, he calls us to come and see what God has done in delivering us from the sentence of death. Passing over on dry ground, think Red Sea and Jordan River, is a constant image picturing salvation in the Bible. In verses 8 through 12, there is a call to testify of His saving grace corporately as the people of God. In verses 13 through 15, the psalmist expresses worship through his obedience. He resolves to fulfill his promises, his vows, and bring the burnt offerings of sacrifice he voluntarily pledged. Paul gives a New Testament application. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. 
Now let's close our tour with a trip to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 23, verses 26 through 28. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. My son, give me your heart, and let your eyes observe my ways. For a prostitute is a deep pit, an adulteress is a narrow well. She lies in wait like a robber, and increases the traitors among mankind. In asking for our heart, God is asking for our fullest surrender, our fullest trust, our fullest devotion, our fullest attention, and our fullest obedience. We are betrothed to Christ. We cannot allow ourselves to be seduced by false lovers who are only harlots that draw us to our own destruction and the destruction of those around us. Let's pray together. God of all comfort, we thank you for fortifying us with your word. We offer you our praise with singing, shouting, speaking, and most importantly, by surrendering our lives before you with our fullest devotion, obedience, and trust. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the first and the last, the eternal God, our all and in all. In you we find complete satisfaction. Our prayer is that by the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ, we might come to know you better and the reality of our heavenly position and our earthly privilege as members of the body of Christ. Help us to live out our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit to the praise of your glory and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that you were able to take in some of the mountaintop vistas looking out on God's great plan of salvation in the Old and New Testament revelations of the finished work of Jesus Christ. God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow. And if you would like to receive a written copy of our commentary on the one-year Bible reading of the day, you can go to our website, newlife.org. And you can always contact us by writing an email to podcast at newlife.org. So God bless you and keep you, and may you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Shalom. Shalom.